Welcome back to the IoT Podcast. I'm your host, Tom White. Every week, we are joined by the biggest names in IoT to unravel the trends, misconceptions, and predictions for the Internet of Things. Before we get into today's episode, don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're watching or listening on and turn on that notification bell so you're never out of the loop. Today's episode, I'm joined by none other than Dipti Vachani, SVP and General Manager of Automotive at R. We'll be expanding on the shift to software-defined vehicles, their impact on safety and security, and the role of the SOFI project in accelerating and development of testing connected vehicle applications. Before we get into the episode, shout out to one of our sponsors today, 5D Tech. 5D Tech are specialists in finding people who make technology a force for good in the world. They bridge the gap between talent and deep tech businesses around the globe. Click the link in the description to find out more. Before we get into the episode, shout out to one of our sponsors, IoT Tech Expo Europe, the leading event for digital twins, IoT and digital transformation. Dipti, welcome to the IoT podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as I was saying backstage, really genuinely excited for this. Uh, and, and I'm not just saying that. I think it's easy. <laughs> I think it's easy to get into podcasts and say that on every single episode. Um, but I but just me. Am. this time it was just me, just, just, just you. It's all for you. It's I like all for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, but really interested for the folks to hear about your background, what you're doing at Arm specifically around automotive, and we're going to cover a range of topics today. Um, but for everyone that's viewing and listening, or however they're consuming this podcast today, could you give us an introduction to who you are? Oh, who I am. Um, I've been in the industry, I don't want to say how many years, because I'll be aging myself at that point. But, uh, my background includes um, about 17 years at Texas Instruments um, and uh, some time at Intel most recently, and now at ARM, and I run um, the automotive business at ARM. When I first started, automotive and IoT were together. We had a combined business um, as we were starting to nurture that IoT business as well as nurturing the automotive business. But both of those businesses have become quite significant for the company and a significant investment as well as, well as a future. And so now I'm um, taking the automotive on as to what the next, next direction is. It's software-defined vehicles, electrification, all the amazing things that's happening in that industry. Excellent. And yes. at the end of the day, it's just a, a big thing in the middle of IoT. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think that's 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 the real key part here, right? You know, IoT being a concept and connecting various industries and mm -hmm. ecosystems together. Mm -hmm. And automotive is one that really interests me personally. I'm a big car nut. I've always had been, right? So anything right. to do with the automotive industry, naturally, I lean to. Um, but we had an episode actually um, a few months back. Um, with a friend of mine who was at AWS talking about software-defined vehicles. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that'd be really interesting to get into, actually, just to understand a little bit about where we're all going. I think certainly... Pretty uh, amazing. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. you know, from, from what was that kind of mechanical, internal combustion engine, very right. uh, messy, actually... Kind of stoic, doesn't change, spun yeah. hunk of metal, but pretty cool hunk of metal. But yeah. basically that now it's a now it's a connected device um, and kind of the same experience you have from your mobile phone, right? 
Yes. Yeah. From absolutely. a software experience standpoint. So, so, so on that note, then, so, so for for people to understand that might not understand software defined vehicles, what, you know, you you've just labelled it there. So it is it is a mo- mobile phone, effectively, right? The the, the car or an automotive uh, vehicle is turning into that. Is that is that yeah. how you would best describe it? Yeah, and you know. Often um, software-defined vehicles get synonymous with autonomous, right? So we think, okay, the autonomous vehicles is software-defined. But, but honestly, it, it, is, it is much more and everything beyond that. So think about just back in the day, I, I was just remembering this. I had a car which had a mapping, um, a mapping, a map in it, and that was really cool back then when we had a map in our car, right? And I had to go buy new CDs. I'm, I'm really aging myself to update that map. Yeah. Right, I had to go get a new yeah. CD from the I dealership. I mean, remember the the pain the that P- is and then, the PNDs, right? Personal yeah. Devices. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had to update. So now that's just done dynamically, mm. and and that in itself is software defined. It is defined by software. It can be updated by software. It's on the air updates. On, I mean, on the go updates. And so, so it is. It is so holistically changing the experience in the car. Beyond, in addition to all the kind of autonomous functions that we're starting to see in the car, a nice user experience we're starting to see in the car, as well as the electrification, all of those things are kind of happening, but software defined is pervasive across all of that. That, That's a really nice way to explain it. And I think Mm -hmm. clears things up for people that automatically assume SWD is actually autonomous uh, drive, yeah. which which is which is a component, right? And as you say, it's pervasive. Component, across right. All, all the and often those get mixed, right? Like they think mm-hmm. autonomous autonomous has everything to do with electrification. Well, no, not really. Those are actually separate too. It's just all happening at the same time that it's it's easy to to put them all in one bucket. But those fundamental technologies are are happening in in parallel. Yeah. Why 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 do you think there is this coalition of um, growing advancements at the moment, certainly within automotive, you know, and it's all happening at the same time. Is it is it because the tech wasn't as robust before to be able to do both the software defined and the autonomous, um, autonomous driving, the electrification? Is that is that your view on it? You know, it's 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 a very interesting, um, and 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 again, this is a, a it, it almost feels like the perfect storm, right? If you if you think about it, there's multiple components coming in. One is the electric battery technology is is uh, is ready, and our awareness of green technologies and our sensitivity to that, right, and the next generation sensitivity to that. So that's happening, and from a social construct as well as a technology construct. And then, in addition, um, we figured out um, that we can put this technology in a car with lots of software to create a safer environment. So now more autonomous functions are, are, are capable, but lane change, whether it's that or, or uh, crash um, detection, all of those technologies are, are becoming more mature and, and we're ready to deploy them in, in, a, in a real situation. And so there's maturity of that technology and also an acceptance of that technology. Um, it's, you know, I'd, you'd have to interview people to see who would be comfortable getting in an autonomous car. Right. That's a pretty interesting conversation. We've had it over a dinner table. There'll be half the crowd will say, no, I would never get in a car that would just drive itself. I don't trust it. And so there's a trust element that's that's still we're still navigating through that. But that's starting to happen. 
And so that's the autonomous side of things. Technology is ready and social acceptance of, of that as well. And then the software defined element, you know, it's the cloud functionality or cloud technologies like hypervisors and, and, uh, and, and the kind of software capabilities, AI capabilities or perception technologies or, or learning technologies that are done in the cloud are maturing as well, which allow for that uh, really nice update cycles that we can have between the data center and the cloud. So those technologies maturing as, as, as well, the, the data center technologies and now are comfortable now we're more comfortable having that in a in a vehicle, those kind of technologies. And so there's it's it's not one thing. That's I guess that's the point, right? It, it's often we want to look for one answer, but it's it's multiple elements happening all at the same time. And that perfect storm of those elements coming together to mature the environment that we have in the car now. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is you know, remarkable, isn't it, that everything comes together at the same time. Yeah, and that. That point that you made around the trust, I think, is a really big one, actually, isn't it? Because um, I think for years that's plagued the industry, certainly from self-driving. There's certain levels of self-driving. I think level four and five, like the higher levels. You know, do people actually trust that? And I think that's a, a, a continual, ongoing debate and something that's going to have to change as times change. Um, right. But in terms of the benefits then for consumers and businesses, what are the tangible benefits of a software-defined vehicle? Oh wow! It's there. There, um, you know, there's there's just one of those. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll get to the probably the um, the one that we experience most. When I get a new software on my update on my car, it's like Christmas morning, right? I get in there and I'm like, wow, what happened? Like, what's gonna happen? Like, I got all these new functionalities, and so there's just that experience of getting a new thing. It, it feels like a new thing when when you get a new software update. Um, Beyond that, though, what's happening is more safety functionality is being deployed, more security is being deployed. So as we learn of, of gaps in our security technology in the car, we're deploying updates. And so our security is getting more robust. It's not a stagnant unit. As we learn, we improve, right? Um, we're, we're learning also from big data, meaning we've taken data across multiple vehicles and from that learn how to improve the safety of that car and that learning then gets deployed to that individual car which is a really really uh, neat way to 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 continue to improve our experience and and our safety in the car and so so it's um you you see the updates and you see the new functionality. That's what we experience. But there's a lot of other stuff that's happening behind the scenes that just makes that car more safe, more secure, and and from from all intents and purposes, just more robust, right? And it's scalable mm -hmm. over time. It doesn't become stagnant. The features of the car most most. Uh, most of us have more functionality in the car than we actually take advantage of. And over time, that functionality gets deployed as, as we get more software updates. Yeah. And I, think, and I think that's one of the major things, isn't it? So um, sometimes, uh, you often see in the media, you, you get a bit of bad press, actually, when you see things like microtransactions and you know, mm -hmm. having to, to pay for various elements of the car. Um, but ultimately, the safety and the harnessing of thousands, if not millions of vehicles on the road and then being able to deploy that straight away, I think is really quite special. And, it and is very special. And, and, and in the end, that is benefiting the consumer. And, and the, the consumer is getting the, the benefit of all of those 
um, those those uh, the the value that's coming from that software from those software updates. And that's how you know. And and the way ARM looks at it is we have the assets in the data center. We have assets in the car, and and they're very similar but different. You yes. have to think about the real time nature and the safety elements of the car that are fundamentally different than anything else that's out there. Yes. Right? And, yeah. and as we take into mind in, into account the safety, the real time nature, we then um, put that kind of knowing and that knowledge in our data center assets as well, so that there's a cohesiveness between those two deployment units, right? So what, what's happening in the cloud and how it's deployed in the thing is done holistically and viewed as from the safety and the real-time concerns of the car, right? That we're not looking at it just another thing. It is a thing, but it has very, very um, important and, uh, and assets that need to be considered when we're deploying software. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've, you've touched upon that just a little bit there, Titi, about arms rolling. Um, and, and that would be really interesting to get into now. So um, armor are, are you know heavily involved in this area and for good reason, right? You know, we've we've been in the automotive um, space for over twenty years, right? Um, and and that's important. Uh, that's important because longevity, experience, investment in the space, um, and the learning that comes from that is so important. Um, for this industry, because as you know, the dynamics of a car um, um, and the longevity of what a vehicle um, is in the market for. And so there's that longevity, but we've also been investing in safety for, for over 20 years as well. Those safety technologies are very unique and, and very important to hitting the the criteria for putting a human being in a vehicle, right? And so our safety investments. Um, and so for, for for a while, we've been deploying um, AE technologies, and that is automotive enhanced. That is technologies and IP that are ASLB and ASLD ready. That is that we've done all the work to ensure that you can get to ASLB and ASLD um, standards. And, and for those that are not in the automotive industry, those are standards that ensure there's a safety, that we understand what the safety and the testability of the vehicle is, right, or, or the technology is. And so so that's that's one area where we're investing. But beyond that, what we'd like to see is these safety um, technologies scale. And to mm. scale, and this is where ARM adds its most value, right? We, we know how to scale technologies. And so um, one of the investments we've been making is our investment in SOFI. Because one of uh, what we see is that this vast amount of software that's being deployed into a car, the hardware can be there. But we just, the long pole intent now is the software, the software investment. So just getting all of that software and then being able to reuse that software across multiple hardware technologies is critical to the OEMs. And so we've created a standard called SOFI. Um, it's a it's a it's an open standard. And in that in that uh, in that uh, governing body, we allow for reuse of software across multiple hardware. We also create a technology that is. Um, that is synonymous with what's in the cloud. So it's built on the system-ready technologies that we already have in the cloud. So this is what I was referring to earlier. 
that we have technology in the cloud, but now we have an understanding of the safety and the real-time nature of the of the vehicle itself. And, and between those two standards, we're able to cohesively look at this from cloud to edge. And and uh, and then the other element of what we've enabled in SOFI is allowed to shift left to software development because we recognize that software is, de is delaying the vehicle deployment. And so if we shift left to software development, we enable cars to be software defined and we enable reuse of software across multiple hardware deployments, that's when scale happens. That's when we're really able to scale this kind of technology. And so that's uh, that's our position in the industry, and that's that's why we've invested in the, in what is SOFIE. SOFIE is an open um, open standard, and we have the likes of AWS, Carriad, Red Hat, SUSE, all involved in the governing of SOFIE. Um, we've okay. opened it up into the industry because it has to be, it's, it's just not one of us, right? We have to come together across the industry to enable something like that. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, I think it's just fantastic that that you're um, championing that, that, that as a business, right? I think if you look at IoT or any standard really in technology, it's really, really important to have a standard, to have a benchmark, to be able to, to know where you are against something else, but also the software reuse and to get it out of scale. So if you look at Matter, for instance, or some of the work that, yeah. Katina, that Katina Retz are doing, right? You know, and, you know, the the enablement of Sophie sounds like we're on the right track. And you've got some really good partners in there. And and and, and as a sort of governing body, what, what's the aims behind Sophie then? And, you know, where where is it likely to go in the future? Well, so so I, like I mentioned, we have we have three different pillars that we're focused on. Right? Mm -hmm. One is just the 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 technologies that we've been able to use in the cloud. We now do, can deploy those kind of technologies, technologies like hypervisors, technologies um, of, of the real time nature of software de de deployment. Um, we, we have the standard base such that we have now cloud native assets that we can deploy into the cloud, into the edge, while keeping in mind the safety and the real-time nature of the car, right? So that is the software-defined and this, the, the synergy between what's in the edge and what's in the cloud. Then it's the software reuse. So multiple hardware technologies. Right now, it's amazing if you think about it. Every new hardware deployment, whether you get it from one silicon vendor or another, you have to do a brand new software deployment. How is that going to happen when you have that many vehicles and that many different uh, different technologies available and the, the the vast amount of software that has to be deployed for each one of these vehicles? If you had to do it bespoke for every single car, every single model, can you imagine that there's no way to scale? The problem becomes exponential. So it's software reuse. And then it's starting software early. So being able to simulate the car enough so that you can start your software de um, design and, and deployment early. And so those are the three um, premises of what we created Sophie around. But even, uh, and, and as we get into Sophie, what we've been really focused on this year is seeing some deployments with that, with that Sophie standards. So we have lots of different uh, players that are already investing in platforms or have demos or, 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 or having, um, being able to de demonstrate that technology. But what we're really focused on now is to see it on the road. And, mm. and that's gonna be our number one focus. Yeah, I can imagine because you need the real data, don't you, right? Mm -hmm. In order to then collect it, harness it across everyone else right. that's involved right. from, a safe, from a safety first perspective, one would imagine. Exactly. Being able to understand various elements and, uh, and make the right decisions. And is that what we can expect 
for Sophie in the future. And, and, and is this what you can how- expect? Yeah, what you can expect from Sophie in the future is that you're going to see um, all. So we so in in Sophie you have OEMs, we have tier ones, we have silicon vendors, we have software vendors. It's over eighty participants in Sophie. And what's beautiful about it is that all are participating in the software development of and the, and the, the creation of Sophie. So what you're going to see in the near term is these vendors all leaning in, all of these players leaning in, AWS leaning in, and, and carry out and others and start to see that develop into real code that can be reused in a, in, in a vehicle, right? So we're starting to see everyone participate in contributions. That's what's happening now. And then what we're going to see in the near future is how we can see it uh, demonstrated in a vehicle in production and then see that software-defined capability being reused in the cloud and in the edge. And so I, I think, uh, you know, stuff, this stuff across industry, it's easy when you go alone. You go further when you go together. And, mm-hmm. But it takes a bit longer, right, as, as we see it all come together this next mm-hmm. year or two. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, if history teaches us anything, it's this collabor- collaborative open source nature gets us to that end result actually quite quite quickly. And I think when it comes yes. to things like automobiles and the automotive industry, it's really, really important. You know, we can't gloss over the fact that the safety of this and the, and the coalition of various electrification and autonomous driving, et cetera, it's critical that we learn from this and get the real world data, as you mentioned, and actually deploying Sophie out there so that we can learn, understand, and make the necessary changements. Um, so I, I completely agree with you. So it, just on to my next point then. So you know, what sort of lessons have already been learned so far in this process from implementation of software-defined vehicles? Well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting because we started with software-defined vehicles and, 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 and it's been around for quite some time. But what we're starting to see with the onset of electrification, autonomous functionality, and software-defined vehicles, you know, I talked about that perfect storm element of things, Yes, is that we're, we're starting to look at the vehicle differently in that can we create centralized compute and zonal, zonal controllers, right? So some level of merger of the IVI and the ADAS unit coming together. So most often the IDI was, IVI was one unit and the ADAS is another unit. And within the vehicle, we're starting to see the merger of those because it's easier to deploy software because that functionality is kind of blurry between the two, right? And so what does that create as an opportunity for mixed criticality? It's an opportunity to take some of the assets that ARM has when it comes to um, when it comes to our safety and security technologies that's embedded in our architecture. We have the ability to do mixed criticality. We have confidential compute. All of those features that we, you know, we've been thinking about for the last 10 years and deployed in our V9 architecture are now starting to see the light of day as the merger of this architecture happens in the car, IBI and, and, and ADAS. Thanks again for IoT Tech Expo Europe for sponsoring today's episode. IoT Tech Expo Europe brings together Europe's brightest minds to talk about cutting edge technologies in one place. Experience top level discussions, innovative IoT innovations and strategies. Mark your calendars for the 26th and 27th of September 2023 when IoT Tech Expo Europe returns to the vibrant city of Amsterdam. I'll be there, will you? 
Get your tickets at iottechexpo.com slash Europe. The link will be in the description. And then the other element that we're seeing is across the vehicle, we're starting to see zonal, comp uh, zonal controllers. And these zonal controllers are also software defined. And so that way you have the ability to deploy software all the way down to, you know, heated seats or whether it be your power lock or, or things of that sort. So it's pretty amazing the merger of what is software and then the actual change and how hardware is done in the car. Yeah, I mean, it's it is mind boggling how quickly this has all happened as well. Right. Uh, well, yeah. you know, like like the electrification of a car, the powertrain that hasn't been touched in over 20 years. Right. We don't. We, it's just, it just worked. Why do we need to mess with it? And now we're starting to redefine that. It's, it's pretty amazing how, how quickly that's happening. Yeah. And I think public public interest in this is quite high as well now, isn't it? You know, there's various tax breaks and incentives for, for people to get more involved in electrified vehicles. And of course, we're all trying to work towards a particular turn off thing. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely the perfect storm, as you've mentioned a couple of times today. Yeah. Uh, and really, really interesting. What, what does it look like in the future then in terms of software-defined vehicles? How, how would you envision it impacting the automotive in, in industry in a kind of broader sense? I think we're going to continue to see um, ADAS functionality improve. So the safety elements of a car, the, um, you know, we, we, we talked a while back about a fully autonomous car. Let, mm. Let's put that aside for just a moment. But you, what you'll start to see is just more and more of that safety being deployed in the car. And we'll get more and more comfortable with it because we have the update, the ability to update it as we learn, right? And so more ADAS functionality in a car because we have the ability to learn faster and we have the ability to deploy software faster. Um, I think you'll see the uh, as more to, more ADAS functionality gets deployed in the car, you'll see the user experience of a car start to change. More entertainment in the car, more ability to to have some independence, right? Um, then there's this there's this panacea of solutions where the the software defined nature of the car and the software defined nature of the city, smart cities, you start to see that come together where. You have an awareness of the city around you, the red lights around you, the, the street lights, the cameras, the traffic monitoring that can happen within the infrastructure, then also being used in the car. Now, we, we have the technology to do that. It's a collaboration that's necessary to bring all that together. But that's a, that, that is when we really start to take advantage of the software-defined nature of the infrastructure and the software-defined nature of the car is when we can bring that together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in terms of arms involvement, um, automotive is going to continue to play a major part of arms business unit moving forward in terms of the growth and various. Absolutely. It gets even better um, for us in such that um, we continue to push the limits of how much performance you can get within a power window. Power efficiency is has always been our forte, right? That is our value. And the ability to get more and more performance within a certain power budget is, 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 our, is our secret sauce. And that's what we used in the mobile phone. It's also being yes. used in the car. Because you can't, you, can't um, you can't have these power-hungry data centers sitting in a car. How are you going to power that? How are you going to go the distance with that, right? And so we'll continue to invest in that. 
but more so we're going to continue to invest in pulling all of these solutions together because it's no longer about the C just about the CPU. It's about the CPU, the graphics unit, the camera unit, the ML, the AI, and all of those technologies coming together. It's a heterogeneous compute unit. And so we're looking at this problem more holistically, not just being power efficient in the CPU, which we know how to do very well, but we also have a safety GPU, a safety ISP, and looking at the ML and the AI problem and how we integrate that into the GPU and the CPU. And so we'll continue to look at this problem more holistically and then bring it all together with Sophie in, in such that you can deploy this at scale. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's the, the critical part, isn't it? You know, deploying it at scale. Because if, you didn't, yeah, because if you didn't have that, it's all very kind of esoteric, isn't it? It's all quite difficult. You'd have to start from scratch each and every time someone wants to try and do something. Um, that, and you, you and I have both been on the streets and seen those test vehicles running around, right? When are we going to get out of those test vehicles and actually see something in production, right? That would be cool to see. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take this power-efficient solution and the ability to have mature software to be able to do that in. And, and time under tension, right? And the amount of data collected in these in these vehicles that are running around is going to help us be able to deploy this thing. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting point that you've just mentioned, the amount of data, because it really is colossal. If you look at the cameras, LiDAR systems, ADAS systems, everything that's within a vehicle now, uh, it's huge, isn't it? So, you know, that, that in itself is probably quite challenged to actually interpret that data and make good use of it. Um, you know, because the amount of vehicles on the road. Well, and, and what's so beautiful is, is we're having the same conversations in automotive that, I, you know, this is an IoT podcast. We've yes. had this, uh, this conversation forever, which is what data do we need at the edge? What data sits in the data center? What needs to be private? What is open, right? All those conversations we've had in IoT for a while now. We're having those same conversations in the car. Yeah. Right? Uh, how much data do we need at the edge? How much data is in the is in the cloud? Where does perception happen? Where does learning happen? Right, um, and uh, it's it's uh, it's still a conversation up for debate because we're trying to figure out that. And that line's going to continue to change, just like it's changing in IoT. Right, it's going to change in the automotive as well. Mm. And, and it, you know, when you look at companies like Vertical Aerospace or Zoots or other people in the automotive field, this this kind of problem of data and harvesting and understanding it uh, magnifies multiple amounts when you look into actually the prospect of flying vehicles, right? Good, <laughs> yeah. good, good, we're not. I haven't got my head around that one yet, but yes, yeah. I get it. <laughs> we're not a million miles away. I'm just away, trying to get the guy out in the road now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, flying vehicles or, I don't know, mind, uh, mind-controlled vehicles. Well, let's go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, people are running tests, aren't they? You know, we've, we've had, you know, um, UAVs, delivery, et cetera. It can't, you know, at, at the pace at which this is going, it can't be 30, 40, 50 years, right? It probably has to be sooner. Obviously, there's a safety trial aspect, so on yeah, and so forth, yeah, yeah, yeah. governments. But, you know, I think um, it, you know, everything comes back to Sophie, doesn't it, actually, about why that's really, really important to do it at scale, to learn from the data that's out there and being collaborative. Um, well, and, and Sophie's used in industrial. So so yeah. one of the things you mentioned is delivery, whether it be transportation, whether it be a factory, whether it's just moving inventory around in factory floors, 
all of those problems are a robotics problem, right? It, at the end of the day, is a robotics problem, and um, or a robotics question, and and it, and and that's fundamentally what Sophie is looking to do. It is to create an environment such that you can deploy software safely and reuse software in a safe, real-time environment at the edge. Yes. And most of us think of a car, but it's no different in a factory, which is moving heavy machine or, or things of that sort, right? And mm -hmm. so we're seeing it more pervasively across the industry. Mm -hmm. the, um, the embedded engineer of me from years ago is screaming out the cost-saving and time-saving benefits of code reuse as well, right? right. Um, without having to you know, do it from scratch and refactoring big chunks of code. So I think that's really, really critical for this. It's, it's not only time collaborative, but it's, it's cost, right? So it's well, all that there's aspects. I often say software-defined vehicles is survival for the OEMs. And, um, and, and, I, and I fundamentally believe it. The exponential problem of software deployment and unique software for every single vehicle or not being able to update that software it, it is not solvable. If you unless you have a software-defined vehicle, they have to. That there there isn't a choice. This isn't a choice anymore. This is a this is a survival element of um, the only way we can uh, reliably deploy software is to have a vehicle that's software deployed, uh, defined in the future because of the vast amount of software that's that's required. What a way to come and wrap up the podcast today. Absolutely. Are we ready to wrap up already? We can keep going. We could go on for hours. We really yeah, I could, know, I know, know, I know. Um, but, but I don't, we haven't finished just yet. I've got some more questions uh -oh. for you. Okay. We've got, we got the wrap up questions. Okay. Um, but honestly, your, your passion, knowledge, and the way that you articulate this is really impressive. Right. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate the time. Um, Dipsy, as we come to the end of the podcast, near the end of the podcast, not quite there yet, um, we always ask guests questions about predictions for IoT in 2023. Um, things that they would either personally love to see actually come into fruition or perhaps what you know, they're hearing at the moment that's going to come in by, by the end of the year. Do you have anything specifically to IoT, either you know, with an automotive slant or not, that you would love to happen in 2023? You know, um, industry and government collaboration. That's what it's going to take to truly deploy IoT. And, and we've had it, um, but I would, I, I would like to see in 2023 us to make a significant progress and deploying some standards, deploying um, easy ways for us to scale in IoT, because we still have a scale problem. We still have a scale problem in IoT. We've been trying to solve it for a long time, but it's going to take the industry coming together um, to to truly solve truly solve that scale problem. I I couldn't agree anymore. Yes, it it comes up in fifty percent, if not more, of the podcasts that that we do. Uh, and it's the reason why IoT. Um, it's the reason why we're still talking about it, and it's not mm -hmm. actually just doing its thing. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. And and what we've seen quite often is um, we call it we call it walled gardens, right? It's a deployment, but it's really not at scale because it's really done bespoke. And uh, and what we need to see is to, is that to to open up 
is start to open up so that all participants can be involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we have a question from um, one of our viewers. So we always ask our viewers in advance if they would like to submit any questions for guests. And, and this is one we have for you, Dipti. Um, and I'll read it verbatim. Um, what role can software-defined vehicles play in advancing the concept of smart cities? And how can they help cities become more sustainable, connected, and efficient? Well, of course, uh, there, there is, there's, and there's one of the things I talked about as the next thing for, for software-defined vehicles is this collaboration with smart cities, right? Um, the ability to know um, through cameras and, and streetlights where traffic is or be able to, do, to predict where deadlock is or be able to predict um, to make things um, safer, uh, if we know that, that, that this area isn't safe or something else is going on. It's just this information sharing, data sharing between the city and the car um, is, is critical um, to bringing smart cities um, to light. And I think, I think that's, uh, that's another area where we'll start to see collaboration here in 2023 and, and hopefully that continues into the future. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's that cross-pollination, isn't it, of devices, data sharing, standards as, as you mentioned and exactly. absolutely absolutely on the money completely completely agree with you a couple of quick fire questions if i can okay um a quote you live by a quote i live by um if you believe the world is good or you believe the world is evil you're right i like to choose the world is good <laughs> it's good it's quite it's, it's quite striking that actually isn't it? it's got <laughs> It's got me thinking about it, you know. I wonder, I wonder which way it is. I, I hope it's the first one. Um, yeah. If you could learn a new uh, a new skill, any skill, what would it be and why? I want to learn how to fly. I want to learn how to fly a plane. Okay. Um, it's one of those things I've, I've been trying to make enough time to go do is uh, is get my pilot's license. Um, I want to get get out of cars and get into a plane. I don't know. Nice. <laughs> Nice. It's it's the next thing I'm gonna do. Do you know what I can relate to that? Because I'm not I'm not the the keenest flyer in the world. And I said to myself, one day I'll I'll learn to fly, right? Because if I can learn to fly, then perhaps I'll be more comfortable with flying regularly, right? Yeah. So I fly about... quite a bit. I, I don't I fall asleep as soon as I get on the plane, so I don't uh, you're one of those you're one of those I'm one of those. Uh, I it's it was, survival. It it was going really well as well on the podcast, you know. And now I'm just, now I'm just jealous that you can do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I um I I uh I'm I'm actually scared of of flying a plane. So I tend to, I tend to take on something that scares the the zebras out of me. I have no sense of navigation, so um, it'll challenge all aspects. Do you know what you've got to face your fears though, right? Because it's the only yeah. way that you can grow. You know, when I started yeah. this, when I started this podcast as well, um, I was always at the start. I was like, "Oh wow, like you're on camera now." You know, yeah. whereas if you just have a normal conversation with someone, like it's fine. But then you put a camera in front of someone's face, and all of a sudden, it's like, "Ah, oh, you know." Yeah, it's scary. And, I think yeah. I said that right before this podcast. Every time I get myself on camera, I'm scared to death. You couldn't tell, so you know, you put a really, you put <laughs> a really good brave face on. So uh, good on you. <laughs> That's what it is, because I don't like to camera <laughs> any more than anyone else. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> uh, my final question. If you could have a conversation with any renowned 
uh, inventor or innovator, living uh, or past, uh, who would that be and why? You know, I'm going to give a typical answer, and I and I feel like I, I almost don't want to give it because it seems like it's obvious, but or, or one everybody would give. Um, but it, it is Steve Jobs, and and it, you know, I find um, I find that the perfection in which he operated while still innovating, right? It's very hard to find that perfect balance, or even a balance. When you're innovating something new, when you're doing something brand new, it's it's rare that you can do it perfect at the same time as you're doing it new, right? It's kind of like just get it to work usually. But if you think about some of the first technologies that were deployed, the beauty in which it was deployed and how you know perfect it was, um, that 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 intercept between beauty, perfection, and new. Um, I, I've never seen that happen the way that he was able to pull that together. So I, I find that very interesting. Very mm. interesting. Dipti, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. I, I, I genuinely you mean that. You you um, you speak with such confidence and charm about the industry. It's uh, it's been a real pleasure. Um, Thank you where can, you're very welcome. Uh, where can people find out more about you and Arm and Sophie, etc.? Perhaps somewhere online. Yeah, there's there's a vast amount of information. Sophie, there's uh, you can look that up in Google search, or you'll find a bunch of information around it, and and arm.com, and and uh, there's there all the information's out there. Excellent, Dipti, thank, thank you, thank you for coming on the IoT podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you once again to IoT Tech Expo Europe for sponsoring today's episode. Once again, please get your tickets. The link will be in the description. Thanks for tuning in to the IoT podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're on. See you next week for more IoT talks and tales.